Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of you around the world. Thank you for tuning in. If you are tuning in for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. I want to say a thank you and a welcome to our great moderators, Khaleesi, Singer Check, of course, Saz and Marie on the Instagram side. Let me say hello to some of our regulars. We have Colette, who's joining us. Cece Weezy is also with us. Uh, just going down the list here. Christopher is also joining us on YouTube. We have Me Shiva just joined us on Instagram. McGraw, welcome to all you guys. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, and I promise you, next week, of course, we have guests on Monday and Tuesday. We will be starting at our normal time of 930 p.m. Eastern, and then hopefully we'll be back to our regular schedule after that. And I just thought of something as the credits were rolling. As I told you guys, I'm going to have a big announcement to make here very soon, probably by the early part of next week. And as the credits were rolling, I'm like, what if this, you know, thing, this announcement happens and I'm ready to announce Monday or Tuesday with my guests on the show? Do I hold it off till Wednesday? Do I just post it on social media? What do you what are your guys' opinion on that? Would you rather find out live here on the show, maybe till Wednesday, if it does happen before that? Or would you just want me to post it on social media? Do a combination of both <laughs> and see how that works out. Uh, let's see. Welcome uh, to uh, Ayandi, who's just joined us on Instagram. Rico0506 has just joined us on Instagram. Uh, let's see who else has come in. Uh, Khaleesi says Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. Yes, hold it off till Wednesday. Christopher, yep, love to hear it live on here. Okay, so it's settled. If the news becomes finalized before... Wednesday, I will hold off announcing it till Wednesday night's show. And hopefully everything will be wrapped up by then. I'll be able to make the announcement. And uh, that should be good to go. Reminder, Monday and Tuesday, we are having stars and the producers from the movie 1BR. If you guys, I would encourage you, giving you some weekend homework. And the weekend homework involves watching a Netflix movie which is called 1BR. It's a horror movie, psychological horror movie. It's really awesome. Uh, Monday, we're going to be having the producer and Naomi Grossman together. And just a note for our Instagram viewers, because of the limited real estate that Instagram gives us, I've been over this many times before, I'm going to have two guests on Monday which means I'm going to put them like right right here. So the people on Instagram will not be able to see our guests. So I encourage all of our Instagram viewers, if you want to watch that interview on Monday, to tune in on any of our other platforms. We do stream simultaneously to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. So you could pick any other platform. Uh, you know, to all our Instagram users, you can pick another platform and you'll be able to fully enjoy the full broadcast. Welcome to Philip. Welcome to the broadcast, Philip. 
let's see. Welcome to Sej, who's also just joined us on Facebook. And then Tuesday, we're going to have the star of the movie 1BR, uh, Nicole Bryden Bloom. She is the, uh, the, she is the star character by the name of Sarah on the movie 1BR. Make sure you guys watch it. That, that's your weekend homework. Watch a movie, 1BR on Netflix. And then the following week, on uh, Monday the 22nd, we are going to have Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead. How can we, I mean, I mean, I think everybody here has seen Return of the Living Dead. Um, the funny zombie movie, cult classic. Tom Matthews, if you don't remember, was the new warehouse employee where they released the zombie virus container into the air. And of course, it went up into the atmosphere, blended in with the clouds. It started raining and people started dropping dead and coming back. Not only that, in those containers were zombies that they released. And these zombies were special zombies. These zombies were not interested in just flesh. They wanted brains. <laughs> Part of, you know, the big reason why Return of the Living Dead is just so hysterical. So Tom Matthews, who plays the, uh, the warehouse worker, who is being shown the ropes when they release the uh, toxin into the air, is going to be joining us uh, Monday the 22nd. He was also in Friday the 13th, Part 6. He played the character of Tommy, who we met as a little boy in Friday the 13th, Part 4. So that's coming up on Monday. And then Friday the 26th, we are having Roger from the original Dawn of the Dead. Scott Renninger is going to be our guest Friday, March 26th. That's right. The original Walking Dead. Uh, Roger. Remember Roger, who was being the cowboy when they were moving the trucks around to secure the mall? And as he's being a cowboy, going all crazy on the zombies, he gets bit. And he's also in the main poster for the film as he's turning into a zombie. Remember, they have him covered up in that back room with a sheet after he dies. Uh, keeping an eye on him to see when he comes back. And you slowly start to see the sheet coming down. And you get to see Roger as a zombie. And that is the iconic Dawn of the Dead uh, poster. And we're talking about the original Dawn of the Dead. The 1978 version. Uh, the 2004 version was awesome. I love the remake of Dawn of the Dead the 2004 version, uh, but the original is awesome as well. I mean, that's George Romero right there. So a lot of good guests. All those guests have been posted on our website. So you can see the entire list by going to deadtalklive.com. So, uh, so I see somebody's asking if 1BR is a supernatural flick. No. If I, like I said, it's a psychological horror, doesn't really help you much there, I would put it into more of the cult horror films. 
I think that great I think that best describes it. Cult horror films in modern day America. Los Angeles to be exact. The movie takes place in Los Angeles. It's a great story, great movie, great writing, great acting. You won't regret watching it, I guarantee you. So please go ahead and check it out. And Monday and Tuesday we'll be having the uh, the producer Naomi Grossman, who was also not only in One BR, she played Penny in American Horror Story, uh, Freak Show season, and also she was in uh, Asylum as well. So uh, definitely want to check that out. So anyway, let's get on to some news. Of course, every day people will always find something to write about, and as I mentioned yesterday. Uh, I believe in this upcoming episode, which some of you may have seen of The Walking Dead. It was released yesterday on uh, AMC+. Plus. So I don't know how many of you have seen it. I have not seen it yet. So please, no spoilers. But I think this is where we're going to meet Robert Patrick, who plays the character of Maze. As if The Walking Dead's characters did not have enough to worry about, Now they have a genuine Terminator in their midst. Although Season 10, Episode 19 has not aired on AMC yet, AMC Plus subscribers got early access and learned all about this new character. So there you go. It's confirmed. Robert Patrick is in this next episode. And what he could mean for the remaining episodes. Uh Uh-oh. The sport. The following contains spoilers on season ten, episode nineteen. What do you guys think? Should we continue or not? I mean, this has spoilers. Uh, I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm okay with getting a little bit of spoilers. Uh, you know, let's just start. And if it starts getting too involved, we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, Khaleesi writes, "No." All right, let's just move on. We'll. But at least we know now that Robert Patrick is in this episode coming up of The Walking Dead this weekend. So, the 10 cosmic horror movies that left fans and critics divided from best to worst. Cosmic horror movies like Underwater and Banshee Chapter have divided people over the years and can be considered some of the best and the worst. My question is, is this cosmic horror movie their way of describing horror movies like Life, which is an awesome movie that takes place in space? Perhaps because of its niche nature, cosmic horror can both be a popular and difficult genre to attain its full richness. Example figureheads of the concept are works such as John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, Mandy, uh, Alien, and The Twilight Zone. On the other side of Hollywood filmmaking, independent features are particularly unpredictable in their subject matter, level of graphic imagery, and overall outcome. In the case of this subgenre, its particular type of horror in which the subjects are at the mercy of a great existential doom. Okay? Many films have tried at the theme, 
usually aiming for high concept delivery and memorable design, those same works have since been scorned by critics and audiences alike, later praised as cult classics or ultimately left in the dust. So, number 10, Banshee Chapter, 2013. The two th- I have not seen this movie. The 2013 found footage drug horror focuses on a filmmaker and a journalist as she searches for the answer as to how to be how her friend's strange and violent end is related to government DMT testing. The pacing and scares are exciting and the presence of some memorable characters and simple yet terrifying imagery helps cushion the nonsensical aspects of the plot and the filmmaking itself. Now remember, they're going from best to worst. Although the film approaches itself as a found footage, many times a cameraman is never acknowledged, bringing up the question if anyone... uh, Sorry, what the hell is that word? You know what? Screw it. If, if anyone even exists, I I do not even know how to pronounce that word. Nonetheless, the jump scares are for once deserved, and the ride is an enjoyable, wild one. How many of you guys have seen Banshee chapter? I haven't seen it. Sounds interesting, though. You may check it out. Number nine, Underwater 2020. The recent 2020 uh, release starring Kristen Stewart, Divided critics. From the audience's standpoint, they seem to either stay indifferent towards the flick or were momentarily entertained. Essentially alien, but underwater. The plot takes place in a futuristic mining rig as it begins to break down due to external external forces guarding the deep. Alright, that sounds kind of interesting. It's not really a movie that will deliver scares, nor unique design and ideas, but the kill scenes stand as both creative and disturbing as each cast member is plucked off one by one. While the viscera is nasty fun, the uneven tone forcing manufactured grandness over well-paced thrills ruins the film's last moments altogether. And we've had this discussion before on somehow filmmakers really try to get fancy in the last few seconds of a film, whether it's in the hopes of uh, having a sequel one day or, I don't know, I think they go a little too far sometimes and you have a great film that gets partially destroyed by the last couple of seconds because they take it a little too far. Uh, welcome to Stone Walkers, who's just joined us on YouTube. Uh, CC writes, I don't care for underwater too much. Neither do I. Uh, neither does Singer, for that matter. Uh, let's see, a lot of people are coming in on Instagram. Welcome to all the people who just joined us on Instagram. So, number eight is Color Out of Space. 2019, the Nicolas Cage film is a by-the-book love letter to Lovecraft, 
Audiences and critics both panned the story, leaving much to be desired, although they stayed for the gross-out special effects and creature design, as well as Nicolas Cage himself. Number seven, The Void. I've definitely seen this. While the concept was strong and dedicated to Lovecraftian image, The Void played on the Things formula without providing a clear plot or characters. A film about a group of people trapped within a small hospital by a strange masked cult and chased by mutated monsters. The Void seemed to want to showcase more of the elements of cosmic horror rather than polish their connections. Nonetheless, entertaining to many, The Void has since garnered cult status. Now, I'm going through this list of movies, and I'm still trying to figure out what cosmic horror is. They're not all in space, so that notion is out the door. They're, the only commonality I see are creatures, whether they're underwater creatures or creatures living in the woods. Just scrolling back up this list, I mean, the first one, Banshee, again, about a creature underwater, uh, creatures and, you know, protecting something in the depth of the sea. The Void, yeah, okay, fine. But I guess that's what cosmic horror is. I don't know why they chose that name. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Stonewalker says, I want to watch Green Hell. It's a horror movie that made people puke in the theaters. I've never heard of Green Hell either. Is that a new or an old film? Colette says, I watched Stephen King's 1929 tonight and found it sad. I felt sorry for them. I've not seen that. I've not seen that. Uh, Number six on the list is Starfish. This film tackled too much style over what many felt was too little substance. A young woman in angst after her friend's death and a recent scandal left her sidewinded. As a result, the world starts falling apart in a cosmic and ethereal spiral as she finds she can transverse time and space through cassette tapes left behind. That's an interesting concept. Number five, now we're getting to the five worst, really bad of the bad, according to this list at least. Honeymoon 2014, a a picturesque couple shows themselves away for their honeymoon at a cabin in the woods. Right there, I'm sorry, you know, I've been married, I've been on a honeymoon, but uh, a honeymoon at a cabin in the woods? No. You know, how many people out there, whether you're married or single, hoping to be married one day, not hoping to be married one day? Just doesn't matter. How appealing does a honeymoon in a cabin in the woods sound to you? It doesn't appeal to me at all. Christopher also says, no way. Uh, Colette also says, not for me. I went on a cruise. I went on a cruise around the Caribbean. Grand Cayman, Cancun. I loved it. The best vacation of my life. Um, and I, we said we would go on many cruises. 
during our marriage. It was our honeymoon. 21 years later, three kids later, no, has not happened since. We have not been on a single cruise since our honeymoon. I guess we're going to have to wait till retirement. Because, yeah, kids came along. Kids come along. Yeah, and kids have a way of changing your life's plans. You know, God bless them. I love them all. But, yeah, it, it kind of turns your life upside down a little bit. So, couple honeymoon in the woods cabin. At first, incredibly grating in the gratuitous gushiness and desperation to get the audience to see the characters as cute, relatable couple to the point of cringe. The film eventually gets better as it becomes more graphic and mysterious. It meanders on pace-wise, though the mystery keeps the audience hanging. Many found themselves unsatisfied with the ending, but pleased by the gore and special effects. The acting gets better as it goes along as well. And I've said this all, a lot, and I'll say it again. What makes a good horror movie for me is not the amount of gore. Yeah, you know, as a horror fan, I appreciate gore. It's entertaining to watch. I love the effects. I love the people that do the effects, the makeup, the CGI. But doesn't gore alone does not make for a good movie. And I don't think I've met anybody who would say that a movie was awesome just because I'm just purely based on the amount of gore that was in there. Number four on the list. Now remember, we're going in reverse order. Number four is She Dies Tomorrow. Last year, 2020, in this psychological black comedy, a group of characters crosses into the existential as a contagious thought takes them over. A contagious thought. All right. Starting with one woman, the thought of death and or end coming on in the next day and the mystery and awkwardness that comes with it causes much room for intrigue. While the concept stands strong and invited viewers in, namely on the behalf of the marketing, uh, many felt the plot was thin, repetitive scenes and use of music left the mystery and existentialism much less desirable and more grating. Three, Spiral 2020. Not to be confused with the Spiral movie that's coming out this year, which is a continuation of the Saw movie universe, starring Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson. So Spiral 20. Sorry, Spiral 2000, the film adaptation of Junji Ito's manga horror epic Uzumaki has grown a cult following since its release. On the other hand, its favorability amongst critics, Ito fans, and audience members has been less than affirming. Many felt that the story shortchanged the meaning and themes of the manga as a whole, namely in making the first chapter of the entire film's plot, resulting in some controversy among Uzumaki's readers. The special effects and tone divided many. 
incredibly nauseating and purposely disgusting, consequently panned by some as unrewatchable. A new short anime series based on the manga is set to air on Toonami in the near future. Number two, Yellow Brick Road, all one word. Yellow Brick Road, 2010. A small town disappears into the forest after collectively watching The Wizard of Oz. All right, there's a concept for you. A few hundred people's bodies are found and the state of their deaths indicate they went insane. Decades later, the legend of the Yellow Brick Road persists, promising whoever can get to the end of it will find personal treasure. Well, it might be one of the worst on their list, but I gotta tell you, the concept sounds interesting. I mean, I'm not, I haven't seen the movie, I'm not saying it's good or anything, but the concept does sound interesting. Alright, number one on the list is The Endless, 2017, a film about two adult brothers, also former cult members, deciding return to the cult for old time's sake before moving on with their lives. This is an obviously naive move considering the younger brother is still convinced cult life is better one worth living. Upon their return, for whatever reason, strange things begin to happen due to the location of the base. Now, if you remember the other day, I talked about a movie. Uh, There are two movies that take place in the same area. It seems to be an area that is controlled by aliens. Once you go in it, your life like a day's events just keep repeating over and over and over again. I have seen The Endless. This is the sequel to the other movie I talked about the other day, which for the life of me, I can't remember the title right now. But anyway, this movie, I liked it. I liked how it was tied into the first movie. I would definitely not put this as the worst not even close. I genuinely really like this movie and the ending is really interesting. They really do try to escape the loop that they know they are trapped in. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but if you look at that picture and you look in the background, you can actually see two moons in the sky. Uh, the film left audiences empty as the ending left them with no room for imagination. No. The plot and devices are not scary, and while they can be interesting, the journey led by characters, either bland or annoying, resulted in an anticlimactic end. And I absolutely 100% disagree with that. I'm sorry. I just completely disagree with that. Uh, somebody wants a, uh, shout out on my Instagram, not on the show. They want an Instagram story shout out. And let me give you guys a little bit of advice that I haven't given in a while. Uh, I, I've even done this as an experiment. 
yeah, I have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram alone. Uh, another two hundred plus thousand on Facebook, seventeen thousand subscribers on YouTube. Anyway, uh, I did an experiment to prove something to someone one day. They were begging me for a shout out on an Instagram story. And I actually took the time and explained to them that it won't help you. Me giving you a story on Instagram just with a link to your Instagram profile is going to give you no followers. And I can, and I proved it to him. I conducted a little experiment. I took his, I told him, give me your best picture. He gave me his best picture and I, I, I gave him a story, uh, you know, a link to his profile on Instagram and the whole nine yards. He loved it. Okay. At the end of the 24 hours, because after 24 hours, the Instagram story gets taken down. I proved to him what I was telling him. I took a snapshot of the analytics for that story. At the end of that story, I ended up gaining 20 followers and he got a total of three. It doesn't work, guys. It really does not work. It just doesn't. Not only that, uh, people don't like to cross platforms. I mean, that's why my followers are so spread out unevenly. I mean, it means I have unique followers primarily on all the different platforms. But if I just created a story and told everybody on Instagram to please subscribe to my YouTube channel, I would have over 100,000 YouTube subscribers. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's just human nature. People do not like to cross platforms. And you getting a story from someone who has a lot of followers, they're not going to start following you just because you got a story. So I really hope you understand that. I'm not making it up. Uh, I love actually helping people get followers. I love helping people get started. If you want to start a live stream, uh, giving out advice, how to get guests and so and whatnot. Don't waste your time if your sole purpose is to just gain followers, which at the end of the day, let me just tell you, you got to ask yourself uh, this very important question. Whatever the number of magic followers that you have in mind, once you achieve that, what are you going to do with them? Okay, let's say you want 50,000 followers. Okay, let's say you get that. What do you do? What's your next plan of action? You know, so just think about that for a second. Anyway, the Walking Dead star Seth Gilliam opens up about surreal death threats. I hope this is not about him getting real life death threats because that would really upset me. The Walking Dead star Seth Gilliam has opened about receiving death threats from fans. There we go. Why? Uh, the star who plays Father Gabriel in the AMC drama series was talking about filming season 10 during the coronavirus pandemic 
when he made the admission. What's been surreal to me is sometimes people not being able to see fiction from reality. And God knows I have hammered that into my viewers over and over again. And assuming I was Father Gabriel and not Seth Gilliam, when the question, when they questioned the choices the character made on the show and started to send me death threats and stuff, that was surreal. Yeah, there are some crazy people out there. I'm sorry, but if, if you cannot separate that an actor is doing a job that was written for them by writers and they're doing a job and you can't separate fact from entertainment fiction, uh, that, that doesn't put you in the same category for me. Speaking about filming the additional episodes for season 10 under COVID restrictions, Gilliam added that was kind of surreal, feeling like I was putting on some kind of astronaut suit to get from point A to point B and then just take it all off and be in the character again. That was a little surreal, people moving away from us as we were moving towards them because they had to keep a 10-foot distance. So there was an invisible force field that would push people away. Meanwhile, Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie, recently discussed her ideal ending for the show. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the article. But first of all, why are they sending Seth death threats? What did he do uh, recently in this past season 10 that would warrant any fans sending the actor death threats? You know, besides the fact that they're not sane, I don't put them in the sane category, uh, and they can't separate fact from reality, I mean, fact from fiction. What did the character do that upset them so much? Uh, Gabriel was pretty badass in season 10. He put his life on the line. He was real. He was uh, willing to die, uh, put his life on the line so the others can escape down that elevator shaft uh, until Maggie showed up, saved him, took care of the Whisperers. Colette writes, if that's how they feel, they should not watch. Exactly. Uh, Khaleesi also writes, that's why Chris Hardwick always says, remember fans, this is not a documentary. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great saying. That is, uh, this is fiction, guys. This is scripted. It's a scripted show. It's not real. Okay. Unless you're watching a documentary that is based on something real, where you have real real people talking about events that happened to people they know or to themselves, uh, it's scripted. And this happened to Josh McDermott, who plays Eugene. He got death threats during the whole Savior incident. When Negan took him in and he aligned himself with the Saviors, Josh McDermott got so so many death threats that he shut down all of his social media accounts. You're not going to find Josh on any social media, and I don't blame him. 
it's scary, man. It's scary out there that there are people who, if they see you uh, walking down the street, they're not going to see Josh McDermott. They're going to see Eugene. And Eugene being a traitor and possibly come after him. Ugh. I don't get that, man. I really don't. <clears throat> Andrew Valentine is with us on Instagram saying, I agree with you. Love the floating love hearts, guys. Thank you for, you know, supporting what I'm saying. And I've had now, we are getting close to 50 guests that we have had on this show in almost 11 months. We haven't even been on for a full year yet. And these are regular people. These are normal, regular people who are doing a job. They are no different just because their job involves them being in front of a camera. They are no different from from anyone else. They're not. Everyone has uh, this theory that because you're on a TV show or you were in a movie, that first a you're rich. Woohoo! You're rich and famous. No, these people have to work hard, just like everybody else here who works hard. Uh, very very few actors in Hollywood can say that, you know, I've had a long, successful career and, I mean, are rich, rich, rich. Everybody, the majority of these actors, they're looking for work, you know, from work to work. And they go out there and they work very hard and they earn every penny that they make. And that's why I love talking to them. I love having them on my show uh, because, yeah, we see, we know their character that we see on the screen. I want to learn about how they do their job. What makes them get into the mindset to play out a particular scene, uh, to be a particular character, how they got started in the industry. Remember, this industry, the entertainment industry, is, it's mostly rejection, there are a lot of people out there who want to be actors. And not only actors, there are a lot of people out there that want to be directors, producers, editors, whatnot, you name it. This is a very difficult industry to even get your foot in the door. And uh, they, are, they should be very proud for what they have achieved. But at the end of the day, they're just hardworking people like everybody else out there. Uh, Iska is uh, with us. Hey, it's good you. It's good to see you on the show. Iska Agus on YouTube is one of our writers on Dead Talk News, saying especially right now it can't have been easy being an entertainer in the last few years. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Colette Wright. Colette writes. It's got to be taken seriously. Think of John Lennon exactly. Look what happened to John Lennon. A fan came up to him as he was approaching his apartment in Manhattan and shot him. Just a crazy fan. Killed John Lennon. Uh, so yeah, if you're going to make death threats to someone and you think they understand that or they're going to assume 
that you are completely sane and that they should automatically know that they're talking about your character, you are 100% dead wrong. Anyway, let's move on. Here's the poster for Ben Wheatley's next horror movie called In the Earth, arriving April 30th. Very sinister looking poster right there. Uh, sort of reminds me of Leatherface, but instead of a chainsaw, he's got an axe. The next genre offering from Kill List high-rise filmmaker Ben Wheatley is a chilling folk horror called In the Earth, a hit at Sundance. The film will release April 30th via Neon. We don't have a trailer yet, but check out the creepy poster at the bottom of this article. Oh, here you go. <laughs> what do you guys think of this poster? <clears throat> it's a cool poster. It's a, it's a monolith. It's a monolith uh, with a big... Uh, with a big hole cut out in the top of it. Did, did I do a good job at explaining that? I mean, this show does get uploaded to a podcast uh, that most people just get the audio only. So I want to be descriptive as possible, okay? So work with me here, if you can help me. It's, it's a monolith that has a semi-big hole, perfect circle, cut out in the top of it. And it, you know, might remind you of something else, too. <laughs> Colette, uh, Colette writes, I'd rather not say with a laughing emoji. Lisa is with us saying, that looks weird, laughing out loud. I see everybody on Instagram is getting a good laugh on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. All right. It's a cool. Po I wonder if Dread Central, who posted this article, I wonder if they did this on purpose. You got to wonder. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Eight must-see movies for American Horror Story fans. Jeez, we're 43 minutes in. You know, we're not going to have enough time for this. I do want to talk about our topic today. Today we're talking about haunted houses, okay? We'll see if we have any time afterwards, but uh, our friends over at Watch Mojo, I love their videos. I love Watch Mojo. Uh, I love sharing their videos with you guys. Uh, they, they put together a video of some of the creepiest uh, haunted houses out there. I want us to take a look at this list together. Uh, and I think this is a real-life list of haunted houses, not fictional haunted houses that have been portrayed in the movies. So I can't get that poster out of my mind of the monolith. I, I can't. All right, let's, let me bring up this video, and uh, let's go ahead and uh, watch this, because I got to find something to distract me from that monolith poster. These are the hot spots where ghosts come out to socialize. That's the Amityville Welcome to Watchmojo.com, and today we'll be counting down our picks for the top 10 famous haunted houses. 
Before we begin, we publish new content every day, so be sure to subscribe to our channel yeah, and ring the bell be sure to, to get notified to about our latest Mojo. videos. For this list, we're taking a look at homes around the world with twisted backstories and reports of paranormal activity, suggesting that they might actually be haunted. Just to clarify, we're only exploring houses on this ghost tour, so don't expect to see the Stanley Hotel. Number 10, LaLaurie Mansion, New Orleans, Louisiana. Much like the mansion she lived in, Delphine LaLaurie might have seen classy on the surface. Behind closed doors, though, that she was, was an unspeakably inhumane slave season. owner. This wealthy socialite's crimes were exposed on April 10, 1834, when a slave set her Royal Street house on Kathy fire. Bates played when the public her learned of the slaves Lallory had tortured and possibly even murdered, they chased her out of New Orleans and she fled to Paris. Over the years, her three-story mansion has served as go, a school, coven. an apartment building, and much more. Actor Nicolas Cage even briefly owned it before going bankrupt. Nobody seems to stay at the mansion long, however, leading many to believe that it's cursed. Nicholas Number Cage nine, went bankrupt? Blickling Hall, Blickling, England. This Norfolk country house is speculated to be the birthplace of Anne Boleyn, the second wife of King Henry VIII. Although the Queen of England gave birth to Elizabeth I, she couldn't fulfill Henry's desire to have a son. As their marriage reached its breaking point, Boleyn was charged with adultery, incest, and conspiracy to murder the king. While many historians believe these charges to be fabricated, Boleyn was still executed by beheading on May 18, 1836. It's rumored that Boleyn's headless ghost annually appears at her birthplace on the anniversary of her death. That's why the National Trust ranked Blickling Hall as the country's most haunted house. Blickling Number 8, Hall. House of the Seven Gables, Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, this Salem. colonial mansion was built by Captain John Turner in 1668 and remained in his family for three <coughs> generations. The house's unique design and history would provide the inspiration for author Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1851 gothic novel, The House of the Seven Gables. Today, the house operates as a museum that offers educational programs. How many out there have actually visited Salem, Massachusetts? It's only fitting that the house has also I've never been there. I actually want to go. Activity. Various guests claim to have seen the ghost of Susan Ingersoll, Hawthorne's cousin, who previously lived in the house. Another tourist even snapped a photo of what they believe to be a ghost boy lurking in the yard. Number 7, Molly hey, Brown Tina. House, Denver, Colorado. Welcome. Margaret Maggie Brown not only survived the 1912 sinking of the RMS Titanic, but also encouraged the lifeboat crew to turn back and rescue others from the wreckage. Because of this, she was dubbed the unsinkable Molly Brown. Although she passed away in 1932, it's possible that Brown was unsinkable even in death. It's been reported that her spirit still resides at her old house in Denver, Colorado, which was restored in the 1970s and is currently a museum. Visitors have also smelt pipe smoke, suggesting the presence of Molly's husband, James Joseph Brown. Other alleged apparitions include a female in a Victorian dress and other members of Molly's family. Number 6. Myrtle's Plantation, St. Francisville, Louisiana Now a bed and breakfast, the Myrtle's Plantation is promoted as one of America's most haunted homes. General David Bradford built the house in 1796, supposedly on an ancient Tunica Indian burial ground. A Native American girl is actually one of several manifestations that have been spotted at the plantation. The ghost who's gotten the most attention, however, would have to be Chloe. According to legend, Chloe was a slave owned by Clark and Sarah Woodruff. After getting her ear cut off for eavesdropping, Chloe baked a poisonous birthday cake, which she fed to Sarah and her two daughters. As a result, the other slaves hung Chloe and threw her dead body into the Mississippi River. Number 5. Whaley House, San Diego, California In 1852, house. Thomas Whaley witnessed the hanging of James Yankee Jim Robinson, who had been convicted of grand larceny. Years later, Whaley built a two-story Greek revival house out of bricks on that exact site. In addition to being the first house of its kind in San Diego, the Whaley residence also functioned as a theater, courthouse, and general store. 
Most significantly, it's rumored that the ghost of Yankee Jim haunts this historic house. He's apparently not alone either, as his daughter Violet Whaley supposedly committed suicide on the property in 1885. When Thomas and his wife reunited with her in death, it's believed that their spirits remained in the house, now a museum. Number 4. Winchester Mystery House, San Jose, California yeah, we all know This extravagant this mansion was the home of Sarah Winchester, the wife of firearm manufacturer William Wirt Winchester. When William died, Sarah became the heiress to his $20 million fortune, but also supposedly inherited the figurative blood on her husband's hands. She As legend paranoid. has it, Sarah believed that the souls who had been killed by the Winchester rifle were haunting her from beyond the grave. Taking a psychic's advice, Sarah fled from the spirits by moving to San Jose, where she, she built had a this house whole consisting house of over 160 so rooms. The Winchester the Mystery ghosts. House, which now offers guided tours, has allegedly been a magnet for paranormal activity. Sarah Winchester's story also inspired a 2018 movie starring Helen Mirren. Number 3. Lizzie Borden House, Fall River, Massachusetts Lizzie Borden stands out as one of American history's most infamous figures, having been tried for murdering her father and stepmother with an axe in 1892. But she so was it a surprise that the house she once lived in potentially has some ghostly baggage. A century later, in 1996, her father's house at 92 2nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts was converted into a bed and breakfast. Numerous guests have visited the B&B in hopes of catching a glimpse of Lizzie's and her parents' spirits. If you're worried about getting 40 wax, maybe sleep with one eye open. Number 2. The Amityville Horror House, Amityville, New York If you haven't read The Amityville Horror by author Jay Anson, chances are you've at least seen one of the several film adaptations. This horror franchise actually originated from 112 Ocean Avenue, where Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot six of his family members to death. In 1975, just over a year after these gruesome murders, George and Kathy Lutz moved into the house with their three children. But 28 days later, the Lutz family departed after allegedly having several run-ins with the supernatural. In 2017, an anonymous buyer purchased this notorious dwelling for $605,000, about $200,000 below the asking price. We can only hope the new owner doesn't run into any vengeful demons. There Number one, no the White House, the Washington, D.C. It's amazing to think that the most iconic house in the U.S. is also, arguably, the most haunted. Strangely enough, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has been the setting of numerous ghost stories throughout history, many of which involve Abraham Lincoln. First Lady Grace Coolidge Primarily supposedly saw wife. President 16's ghost looking out the Oval Office's window. Both Mary Lady Bird Lincoln Johnson and Eleanor Roosevelt claim to have felt Lincoln's presence while living lost. there. Visitors like Queen Wilhelmina of it's the Netherlands tragic. and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill also allegedly saw ghostly figures they believe to be Lincoln's ghost. In addition to President Lincoln, Andrew Jackson, Abigail Adams, and various other political figures have supposedly haunted the White House. All right, there you have it. A little surprise that the White House would be number one on the list. And there was a lot of stuff left out there, especially in regards to the Amityville house. Uh, after the Lutz family fled, we all know the Warrens came in, a whole bunch of research was done. But to sum it all up, after the Lutz left the house, there has been no reports of any kind of paranormal activity by, any, by anybody who has lived there since. I'm not saying the Lutz made up the story. I'm really not, even though they have been accused of doing it to make money. Uh, Lorraine Warren, who is, uh, who you know, she passed away, but she was psychic. 
the Warrens, who are featured in all the Conjuring films, Ed and Lorraine Warren, did do an investigation in Amityville. And according to Lorraine, there was an evil presence in the house. Whether it was demonic or not, we don't know. Whether it was not attached to the house, but was attached to the DeFeos and then the Lutz family. The DeFeo family, where Ronnie DeFeo killed his family uh, in the middle of the night. There's a lot of strange uh, events involving those murders. First of all, all of his family members that were shot were found in their bed uh, on their bellies. You would hear, because there were six of them, and he had to shoot each one individually, that after two or three shots, two or three family members went down, somebody would have moved, somebody would have gotten up. But no, they were all found as if they were all shot simultaneously while they were fast asleep, all on their, on their bellies. That's the weird part. That's just something that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. Khaleesi writes, I was not expecting the White House. Singer Trick writes, there was a movie years ago about the Winchester house called Rose Red. Yeah, I've seen that. Scary movie, but not as scary as Bly Manor. Bly Manor is awesome. Uh, Hill House is even more scarier. Uh, uh, let's see. Colette writes, must have drugged them. Okay. There you go. That's a good theory in regards to the DeFeo. Maybe they were all drugged, and when the shots were going off, they did not hear anything. Though I've never heard of, I don't even know if the autopsy reports were even released or not, in regards to the DeFeo family in Long Island. But I don't know if they even checked them for toxicology to see if they were drugged up or not. But that's a very interesting point, Colette. We do have a couple minutes left. Let's see if we have any other uh, headlines we could scream over. I don't think we're going to have enough time, but we're going to just go over the titles. Eight must-see movies for American Horror Story fans, okay? Twisted Nerve, 1968. One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 1975 with Jack Nicholson. The Beyond... 1981 with Michelle Pfeiffer. The Devil's Rejects. Ah, love The Devil's Rejects. Rob Zombie, 2005. Dr. Sleep, the awesome Shining sequel. Amazing movie. And uh, actually explains what The Shining is really all about. Dr. Sleep with Ewan McGregor. Sleepaway Camp. I mean, you're going to find Sleepaway Camp in almost every cult classic horror movie list. Rosemary Baby, another movie you're going to find on that same kind of list. And Beyond. A Tale of Two Sisters, 2003. Is that it? Yep. There you go. Movies you should watch if you like American Horror Story. Just taking a look at the time. Uh, this was an interesting article. We don't have enough time to get to it today. But 
how many of you guys remember Freddie Prince Jr.? Uh, he says, uh, Saw movies changed the horror genre, says Freddie Prince Jr. So maybe we'll cover this one tomorrow. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of Freddie Prince Jr. He was in uh, he was in a few things, quite a few things. I believe he was in I Know What You Did Last Summer too. I may be wrong, but I think he was in that one. Is uh, that he? I believe he was in uh, I Know What You Did, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. I, th I think he was in those movies. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It is Friday. I hope everyone enjoys your uh, their weekend. We'll be back on the air Monday with our special guest, Monday and Tuesday. Please make sure to tune in. Uh, for all the information about our show, including our guest list and all our prior episodes, not all of our episodes, all of our interviews and the four most, four most recent episodes, go to our website, deadtalklive.com. You can find us streaming on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch under the name Dead Talk Live. It's been a pleasure as always. Like I said, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Looking forward to coming back with our guest on Monday. And until Monday, guys, be safe, stay walking. Good night and have a good weekend.